All right, Justin and Ailish from the Fan Morning Show. One of our favorite guests of the week. I don't know if this is the end for us and Kipper in terms of this summer. He heads off on vacay. Don't scare him away. But I got to do one last. Kipper! <laughs> How's it going, buddy? I like it. How are you? Are you Good at the morning. cottage? Uh, we are uh, in the Hamptons in New York. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kipper. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. A little 4th of July yeah. fun or what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And as we were walking into the, the, the town, um, I'm with my daughter, of course, mm-hmm. and she's got um, Justin Bieber radar. Of course. And she says, Justin just passed us. Wow. And I'm wow. like, really? And uh, I double, I took a double take and um, yeah, she was probably right. And it was just kind of hanging out, and I think he because had like a Montauk area scoop of ice cream oh uh, in his hand. Uh, Sag Harbor oh, area. Sag Harbor, eh? Nice. Oh my eye! So really how does the sorority girls? Me are and there. the Beeb. Yeah. How, how, does, how does the Bieber radar work? Like, did she like? Did she know he was in the area, mm, or is yeah. it like actually like a Spider-Man Sixth Sense where it's just like, oh, I know Justin Bieber's here. No, she didn't know. No, she was just a, a 100% uh, a witness kind of thing. Uh, he had the uh, the hood on uh, over his head. He was with maybe two or three guys and just hanging out. Didn't didn't appear like it was uh, that big of a deal. So he was very comfortable. We gave it the the wave, and uh, my daughter hasn't been the same since. <laughs> I'm not even sure if she's gone to sleep. <laughs> she's she's on so excited. Oh, you uh, get a chance to ask him about the Austin Matthews contract status? I, I did not, but I'm sure he's very concerned. He's concerned for uh, uh, Nylander. He's mm. concerned for for Austin, what this means to Mitch in a, a year, yes, uh, I could see it in his eyes Ooh. that he was concerned. Are you concerned? <laughs> I think it'll find a way to work itself out, and if it doesn't, then you know they're just going to have to make a, a hard decision on which one to let go. But I think all three of them, um, and I'll include Mitch Marner this time next year, will be looking for uh, another chance at uh, a healthy raise. So Mitch Marner might be in the best position here because it seems like it's a race to not go first, and I guess Mitch is always going to be last because he's not in a position where he needs to sign a contract just yet, of course, with two years left on his deal. Is is it just come down to that between Nylander and Matthews here where one of them's waiting on the other? And I don't think Matthews really has that pressure, but right now are we waiting for Nylander because Nylander's waiting for Matthews? Yeah, that's a really good question, Justin. And uh, it appears that both are waiting for each other. Uh, If we can recall five years ago, uh, Mitch had the luxury of going last as well. Uh, If we go through the pecking order, it was uh, Nylander who signed his 6.9 AAV first, and that didn't happen until late December or early December, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was a December 1st uh, deadline that he had to sign his his contract coming out of his entry level. And then, of course, Austin uh, went and signed a very friendly contract for himself at uh, 11.6 AAV for five years. And then Mitch had the luxury of saying, okay, well, you know, Austin's really good, but 
he's not, you know, $3 million better than me. And he was able to get his AAV at $10.9 million. So Mitch, it appears, will have that luxury of knowing what what Austin just signed for and what happened to Willie Nylander as he gets ready to uh, have uh, negotiations as early as uh, this time next year. Okay, so I understand this is overly simplistic, but we've been talking about who the next captain of the Maple Leafs is going to be, and we only actually debate it because we kind of know it's going to be Austin Matthews if he wants to hang around. But if we're talking about leadership and we've been talking about good and bad rooms and quiet rooms and all this stuff, about like what might be missing in terms of the intangible with the Toronto Maple Leafs, wouldn't the next future captain of the Maple Leafs be like, hey, Willie, why don't you and I figure this out together? Not that, hey, we're going to negotiate and I'm going to tell you what you're going to get, but like, if it's all about like smoke and mirrors between the two of them, wouldn't you like your captain? And I'm sure you've had captains that might approach things this way, Kipper, that would just say, hey, Willie, let's get on the same page here. Let's figure this out because we want to build this team and we know our new G- GM has to build a team in short order here. I know we're about 90% of the way, but there's still things that we could add to this team would you like to, is that just like beyond even reasonable expectation for something like that to happen nowadays? And I'm sure it would have back in the day though. Yeah, it's not um, unreasonable to think that way, but uh, the horse is out of the barn a little bit with these guys uh, going back five or six years ago that that's not the way it started. You know, once upon a time when Lou Lamarillo was here, um, I think he did give the impression to Matthews and Marner that you we want to treat you like the Chicago Black, the Blackhawks have treated Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And, of course, they mirrored each other's contracts. And there was never a sense that anybody was one up on each other. Um, and that would have been a perfect world, I think, for for Matthews, Marner, and, and every Leaf fan. But, you know, with Matthews racing out of the barn uh, and at the time uh, become the highest paid player in the league, um, the chase was on for everybody to kind of catch up or, or close the gap as much as they could. I, I get the sense that that's where they're going again. And, you know, even if, uh, you know, the talk is that Matthews will take less now, uh, that that's been out there for the last little while that he understands that then, then, then let's go just pop the number up. Is it 13? Is it 13.1, 13.2 on an AAV, but send that message out yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah, if, if you're so, taking less, let everyone know you're mm-hmm. taking less right now. Yes, right now. Right now would be a great time. And then you could uh, certainly turn around to, to Willie Nylander and say, hey, if, if 34 did it, you can do it too. But uh, again, it doesn't seem like uh, uh, I get the sense or we get the sense that that's the direction this thing's uh, heading right now. Could be the trickle effect uh, that we need. But in the meantime, Maple Leafs did uh, make some moves with the start of free agency this past weekend. Four notable additions. If you had to give a incomplete grade to the start of Brad Trey Living's uh, free agency, where would you start with that? Yeah, I'm okay with a, a, a B, a B plus. Uh, I, I like the different direction they're taking with uh, the grit and the sandpaper. And, it's not. You know, it's not, Kipper. Snot. It's not. Okay. season. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, if 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 I want to go back to the weekend, I'll even go Easton Cowan. 
yeah. who they surprised a lot. And, you know, just judging from what I've heard from other teams and how they were prepared to trade up if the Leafs weren't going to take him, like the, he was going, uh, you know, the suggestion is that the Leafs jumped, uh, you know, maybe 20 spots to get him. No, they jumped right when they had to because he was he was next on the radar for a lot of teams willing to take him, you know, before uh, before 32, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, in the first round. So uh, I, I think this, you know, he's not going to be ready. He's not going to be fully ready or fully developed or still a lot of growth to go put weight on. Uh, it might take two or three years before we see this kid, but you know, at least uh, I, I, I like the direction of uh, of getting players who uh, compete as hard as this kid, you know. And then outside of that, I think uh, you know when you talk about uh, you know top six or top nine players, you're going to get that out of Bertuzzi and uh, and Max Domi, and again, uh, guys that are willing to mix it up and at times will drop their gloves, but I think you're you're more apt to get a stick in the teeth than anything else. And every once in a while, you, you know, you might have to send that message that mm. that could happen. Not saying it should happen, and I'm not saying go out and get suspended, but the mere threat of it sometimes is is enough uh, to to change uh, you know the vibe of a hockey game. Um, and then we'll see where, you know, Ryan Reeves can come in and, you know, he's as old school as they get with dropping the gloves and, you know, on occasion during 82 games, it, it will be needed. You know, Lucic is back in the division. Tanner Janot was one of the toughest players in the league and he's in Tampa in your division. So, you know, he's, the Leafs have got a guy at least that can uh, can play that role now if, in fact, it's it's needed on occasion. You mentioned Bertuzzi and Domi and, and that little duo, both on one-year contracts, both on kind of a prove-it, um, maybe cash-in opportunity. They're going to play with some of the best players in the world, and Domi's going to play in a place that obviously means a lot to him. How much stock do you put in the fact that they were able to lock both these guys up just on a one-year, um, specifically Bertuzzi, who I guess was rumored to be looking for a longer-term deal and just got a, a one-year chance here with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, yeah I just hope, Ailish, that... You know, one-year deals doesn't mean that I, I got to look out for number one first and I got to go get my numbers and I got to get, uh, you know, this. sometimes the sense is is when you're proving yourself, it's, it's you know, thinking about yourself first uh, and not necessarily a, a, a team feel when you're on a four- or five-year deal. But, you know, uh, they'll get their payment to, even if they don't have, you know, incredible numbers if, if the team's able to go to a conference final or a Stanley Cup final. It's just, it's that simple. Everybody will get rewarded. Um, but, uh, you know, a far a far different feel uh, on the left side now uh, for me. And that was a sore spot. The left side was a sore spot. And again, I, uh, I appreciated Michael Bunting trying to do everything he could, but not a legit top six player for me for a team that's supposed to compete for a Stanley Cup not heavy enough um, you know at times not smart enough and uh, Bertuzzi's uh, an incredible upgrade in that department uh, I think this guy's legit and has a has a nice nice feel uh, starting on the left side with uh, say Austin Matthews 
Do you have any concerns about uh, Max Domi literally playing in his father's shadow uh, at Scotiabank Arena? Like, I-, I would have been really concerned. We talked about this yesterday. If he was, if this was the thing for him seven years ago, I don't know if he'd be ready for it. I don't know if he'd be able to handle being a Toronto Maple Leaf. But this guy is sneaky, a veteran, and has been around for a while. And it just seems like now, at least in my opinion, could be the perfect time when, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago, this could have been a little bit of a dicey proposition. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that, uh, Justin. That you know he just seems to be at that age now where uh, he's he's been around the block, and I don't think he's thrilled uh, to to say that you know he's been on a half a dozen teams as well. So despite being on a one year deal, I think he wants to make this a a long term thing. So you know Max isn't twenty one or twenty two. He's uh, you know, going to be turning 29, I think, in the new year. So uh, he's getting up there and he wants, you know, some stability. And that means just, you know, being a smart player who can who can play a skilled game, but brings that 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 edge and that element that has been sorely missed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And for whatever reason, he offered his services last year. They didn't want him last year on a discounted contract. And you know, I'm glad they changed their minds. I'm glad they're they're willing to take a chance on on bringing Max home. And you know, it's not like you know part of those half a dozen teams didn't include you know spotlight environments in Montreal. He had a a terrific year. You know, ended up uh, with what 70 points. So pretty big spotlight uh, where he was able to shine. And uh, you know, for Leaf fans, it's. It's not the comparison. If you really know where Max is at and, and what his game's been about, there are no real comparisons with his dad. And that, uh, you know, this guy can play the game and he can play it uh, at real high levels at times. And the Leafs are going to need that depth uh, again to, to try to, you know, rectify a very disappointing second round exit. Yeah, he's not his dad, but he can do a pretty decent impression sometimes, especially when people try to take liberties on superstars. So if you you know if he's playing with Mitch Marner, if he's playing at times with Austin Matthews, maybe William Nylander, uh, I think that could come uh, well as a bit of a benefit th- th- on occasion. Yeah, on th- occasion, that's that's the edge that he brings, and that's the lure too for Brad Tree Living that you know thinks that his team was way too vanilla last year, and that's where Ryan Reeves and Max. You know, to a lesser extent, Bertuzzi come in with a lot of attitude. And that was something that's been missing out of even the big boys. Too quiet, uh, as they say, uh, for the team, you know, uh, on the ice at times. And skill, skill, skill that uh, Kyle Dubas, you know, trumpeted, uh, you know, for a lot of years now is now mixed in with, you know, grit, grit, grit. Why don't why didn't Domi get some of that stability he wanted? Uh yeah, um listen uh maybe it was maybe the feel that you know he was kind of caught in the middle where you know some teams felt maybe when he was drafted what in the top 11 top 12 that he was going to be this highly skilled, you know, different version of say a a Patrick Kane who could score 90 or hundred points a year. And, you know, he's not, you know, if, 
if anything, he's probably in the vicinity of a of a of a forty to fifty point guy if he's utilized and 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 plays, you know, in his wheelhouse. And for some, you know, they they thought he was a tweener, not quite there as a as a as a star, but you know, not someone that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, should be considered on your your fourth line, and it, sometimes it's just finding the right fit. Uh, but lately, you know, if you take a look at Chicago and Dallas, and you know, Carolina in the playoffs, um, he if he's used utilized correctly, um, very good add to a team that uh, that should have the depth to go further than the second round in the playoffs. Talking to Kipper um, of Real Kipper and Born, which your season two wrapped up yesterday, yet you are still on the radio with us when we love it. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so you gave the Maple Leafs like a B, a B plus type of area. Um, would it be adding to the defense um, and maybe trying to bolster that a bit more? Would that help bump that grade up to an A minus or an A? Uh, for the blue line? Yeah. No, no, the blue line went south. Uh, no, but if the they did that, went north. does that help <laughs> add their to their grade? Like that's a, a pending Listen, no. moves. No, no, If a number no, one no, defenseman no. drops they're, in their laps. <laughs> they're, they're, they're still going nowhere unless they solidify that blue line. Mm-hmm. Everything's about the blue line. Everything's about from the net on out. And as much as they were able to add, you know, the 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 toughness or the grit in in the three players that they've added up front. I'm not sure what Klingberg did for 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 me or I don't know if anyone else. Uh, uh, you know, I'm hard pressed to believe that this guy can play five on five in the playoffs, and uh, he's going to have to come and prove me wrong or maybe some others. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about a different look on a power play, and maybe alleviate some of the the concerns uh, every once in a while for Morgan Riley being back there, then I'm fine with that. But, um, you know, uh, Gustafson was a playoff type of uh, power play quarterback, and that didn't really move the needle for the Leafs last year. And not sure about the 4.1 they committed to him for, for one year, but, you know, uh, he's going to have to prove a lot that he's more of the player that he was in Dallas than he was, you know, last year uh, in Anaheim and then getting traded to Minnesota, which, by the way, they barely could give away at the trade deadline. It was unbelievable to watch this guy's stock fall mm-hmm. in the last year. So maybe the Leafs see something that others don't see and he can he can find some of that magic he had in Dallas. But this one's a, a roll of the dice for me. So they're going to have to add um, on the back end for sure. So what are they going to do with someone like a Matt Murray's contract or a Muzzin? Uh, do you find a way to get that cap space, whether it's through Muzzin's, trade? Yeah, Muzzin's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. He's he's not coming back. That money is uh, uh, on long term. There's There was always some talk about Matt Murray going on Robot Island or long term. That's not happening. You're going to have to trade him or you're going to have to buy him out. Uh, he's healthy. He's still young. He wants to play. Um, you know, uh, I've said it on the, on our show, uh, you know, all of last week that, uh, that if Kyle Dubas found a way to stay as a leaf, he was, he was getting a contract extension. He was coming back. They were, he was going to bring him back. Now, obviously, uh, I think it, uh, Pittsburgh's kind of set in goal with with Jari getting a long-term deal 
so I'm not sure where, where, where Kyle's appetite would be to reunite with Matt Murray, but if it's not Pitt, uh, Brad Tree Living's going to have to find uh, another taker to, to get that, that salary, that, that 4.7 that the Leafs owe him next year off the books. So with the Reeves edition, Kipper, uh, it was prioritized, as we know. I mean, there was a negotiation period, of course, before July 1 and noon Eastern, um, but it was the first thing that happened. It was the first shoe to drop. So it was definitely something that was high on the list for Treliving. And as we're learning now, it was more about maybe the room than it is the rink and what he can provide on the ice. We're learning more about a quote-unquote bad room. Uh what do you think Treliving learned about the room when he came and how does a, what makes a bad room and how does a bad room contribute to what happens on the yeah, ice? I, 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 I'm not convinced it's a bad room. Is it a great room? Um, is there a, a, an alpha dog in the room that you could say, this is your team. Maybe a few years ago, we would have thought Austin Matthews heading there and, you know, it doesn't appear like, you know, he's he's got that type of personality. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, I, I don't know, I, the word quiet seems to fit better than a bad room for me, Justin. And, you know, when I, when I look at Luke Shen and they, they wanted Luke Shen so badly to come back. They just thought they, you know, when he's standing on the bench and staring down the Tampa Bay Lightning bench in in the playoffs, right? You, you would have thought Luke Shen hung the moon, uh, you know, for, <laughs> for, for, for the Leafs. Mm. And, you know, you just couldn't afford to, to go $2 million plus. And they knew right from the get-go that this guy was going to get $2.5 million. So... It, Really, it was Ryan Reeves' uh, happily took Luke Shen's money here. Um, But that's more of the attitude that Ryan Reeves could bring that could kind of feel like that Luke Shen moment. Um, But, you know, Ryan is also going to have to prove that he can play most nights or or in the playoffs as well to hang in there. But, uh, you know, that's that's the the vibe or the feel that the Leafs were really looking for, for, for Ryan Reeves. And, you know, he's, he's a lot louder off the ice um, than we know Luke Shen is. And I don't think Luke Shen has to make a, a public, uh, you know, uh, a public uh, statement that he needs to be the party planner. Or he's going to drag guys out on the road or anything like that. But Ryan Reeves is that type of guy. And uh, I hope it has a, a positive effect. Uh, I can tell you I've been on enough teams where sometimes a guy like that can be too loud and can be too forceful. And you're not telling me what to do. And you're not telling me where to go out. And you're not telling me to be at a specific bar or restaurant on the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's got to be careful with that sort of stuff. Uh, there was a leadership group before Ryan Reeves got there you don't have to act and sound like you're going to save the room here you know last time i i heard you know mitch marner did a terrific job of getting people together for for get-togethers or you know they were always at his house or they were always at his cottage so there are guys there that have have laid some groundwork there he's got to come in and fit in with some of those guys not necessarily take over 
Yeah, a little bit of a fine line to bring. A vibes coordinator, as we use that title on the show. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. I've been the vibes coordinator a oh, few you times have. in my lifetime. Okay, did yeah. I lose my invitation in the mail? No, no. Mail-ish? Kipper, we... Is there like a seminar that you and Ryan Reeves you're attend? You're the one on Sag Harbor. <laughs> you're the vibes coordinator of the of the Hamptons over there. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know Next you're 4th off. Next 4th of July. Okay, Next we're there. We'll do the show there. You guys are off um, now for the summer. Do you have plans other than just laying low and getting insider info from Justin just, Bieber? No, I'm now um, full-time little Buddha cocktail ambassador. Nice. I got uh, an app, uh, a Next Rewards app that uh, is now in Major League Baseball. So if you get a chance, download that Next Perfect. Rewards, and that's it until uh, you know until we figure out next year. That's uh, and and dad and husband and all of that stuff. Okay, well, cheers to that, Kipper. We uh, we loved listening to you guys every day. So congrats on a great season, and thanks for always Thank coming you. on with us and. Well, let us uh, let us know any more celebs you see out there, okay? I uh, I I do a lot of hits over the year, but uh, I I will say Alish, you and Justin right up uh, at the very top of uh, oh, my list. Oh, that's nice, Kipper. That is nice. We Kipper. feel the same about you. Thanks so much for All coming right. on. Enjoy the uh, vacation. Thank you, you guys as well. Thanks Thank so you much. so much for a, a great season. Thanks, Kipper. That's Kipper, former NHL forward, Stanley Cup champ, co-host of Real Kipper and Born. As we said, season two wrapped up Tuesday. And I hope we get a chance to to see the Kipper lifestyle this summer on his social media. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he's a little quiet on social media, isn't he? Yeah, I, I definitely I'm follow. Encouraging him. him to post more. Let us know what's yeah, up. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know what the setup in the Hamptons. I don't even like Hamptons exists as something that I don't even like. I don't think oh. I truly understand. Have you, have you seen uh, Don't Worry, Darling? Uh, no. I think I fell asleep. They live in this like idyllic sort of like setting. I think it's like Palm Springs, but that's what I like envision where it's just like something that's not real. Kipper's experiencing that right now with Justin. So Michael Rubin. Sure. He had this massive white party yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. uh, Yeah. It's 4th of July at his Hamptons party. The, you got to find this video. I'm going to DM it to you. This video of people that were there. Honestly, I think there's like 300 celebrities. I wonder if I should have asked if Kipper was there because it, <laughs> no, like honestly, it, anyone of any That's, social status was at this party. It wasn't ice cream Bieber was holding. It was a cocktail in white getup. Like, it, you got to see this. This guy had thousands of celebrities see, that's there. also a thing I don't understand. Is it quiet or is it like a rager every night? No, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. All of my... Rich sorority East Coasters. That's what live you say. You don't Hamptons. know how to explain it. It's like the I, I've never I, been invited. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it either. It's it's Kipper it's status. It's Kipper, Kipper status. status. One day, maybe we'll get out there. July Fourth. Invited us. Did he? Clip I don't that. know. That was. Oh no no no. We, we he kept, no what, what he said was next July Fourth. I might talk to you while and I'm in like, the Hamptons. So what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is that an invitation? Oh, we love Kipper. So thanks, uh, thanks for always coming on, Kipper, and uh, congrats to Kipper and Born on a great season. Um, it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum yum yum. We are going to talk to Sarah Nurse after the break. Uh, obviously, Canadian women's hockey team Olympic gold medalist, and we're talking about the PWHPA and the excitement in women's hockey. But uh, big news yesterday for Hockey Canada as. Catherine Henderson appointed as new president and CEO. So she's, she joins Hockey Canada after seven years as the CEO of Curling Canada. Here, really great things, well-respected. 
female presence is always important as well. Um, she'll be leading the governing body, trying to rebuild their, I guess, reputation as step one, but a lot of other issues that they need to focus on. Um, uh, teams or teams, um, companies have already like now rejoined their commitment to Hockey Canada, which I thought was interesting. Like right away, Bauer's like, we're back, we're good, we're, we love Hockey Canada mm-hmm. again. And I thought maybe... Let's uh, see what she's about yeah, first. Or like, let's resolve some issues before you just rejoin. But nonetheless, Bauer's back at it and uh, she'll begin her role, uh, Henderson, on September 4th. So lots to come with Hockey Canada. It's a step forward. It is not the end of the road for them. They got a lot of things to solve. Yeah, it's pretty important that Hockey Canada is an organization that we as Canadians can be proud of. And I hope Catherine Henderson gets, gets us to a spot where uh, that is the case. Okay, Sarah Nurse will join us after the break. So we touched on it briefly. I was off when it happened last Thursday, the purchase of the PHF and now the future of one league set to debut in January. A lot to work through with the aftermath here. It's been a really exciting and monumental and kind of chaotic couple days uh, for women's hockey. I also saw Sarah Nurse in Nashville Mm. at none other than Tootsies. Okay. So she was out and about. I won't ask her too much about that, but we'll get into the important, important topics first. Okay, Sarah Nurse, after the break. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 Fan, Justin and Ailish. We're working on our Immaculate Grid we did this two days ago, and I got a lot of messages like how to find it. It's the NHL version. Puckdoku.com, like Sudoku, but Puck. And they have today, it's a tough one. The teams are Sharks, Blues, Coyotes, Flyers, and Ducks, and then a goals against average over three. So it's, I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, go type, type it in. You have to pick a player that fits in each part of the grid. We were just trying to do it during the commercial break, and... It's a hard one. My brain, brain shambles in the brain. Uh, that's what I got right now. Let's ask, let's source one while we talk to Sarah Nurse. A Coyote and a St. Louis Blue. Someone that played for both of those teams. We, put Sarah on the spot? Or no, no, no. The, the, the text line. Oh, can text think line. about okay. it. I'm not going to put Sarah on the spot. That would be a rude no, no. way to introduce A Coyote and a Blue. All right? It's 590, 590. Then we'll work through this together because you can't get any wrong. We've already got two correct, so we're working well. Okay, Sarah Nurse forward of the Canadian women's hockey team and Olympic gold medals. And, of course, the PWHPA board member, Sarah, an exciting, monumental, landmark couple days uh, for you and the team working on this. Uh, How's it been? Hi. It's been good. It's been tiring, but it's been really good. (laughs) And it's been nice to actually um, be finished and be ratified and kind of hit the ground running. Okay, so ratified, a word that I had never spoken out loud until I saw the CBA <laughs> get signed. Um, I think it's really important to, to talk about the CBA that's in place till 2031. Now, it's uh, before the league even starts. And I think that's a first, actually, for women's pro sports in North America. So what does it mean to have this CBA and something that the team and the members voted on? Um, and then we'll get kind of into specifics. But to have that, knowing you're going into this in January, with everything already kind of written in stone. Yeah, I think for 
both us as players, but also on the league side, it's really important to have that agreement in place so that everybody knows what's going on. There are no surprises. Um, you know, everything is really written in stone. And to be able to agree on that, um, to create something that, you know, our players are going to like, that the league is also going to like, I think was very important. And these discussions have gone back, you know, over a year. Uh, this one, I remember coming out of the Olympics and starting brainstorming sessions because uh, we were introducing to our players the concept of a collective bargaining agreement and really letting them know how important this was to sports, especially in women's hockey um, and women's sports because we have not really seen this. And so um, starting from a blank slate, but we're very proud of what we were able to accomplish. So what are some of the important details in the CBA? Uh, because of clearly if it's till 2031, it's something everyone should be, or at least you'd like everyone to be happy with. What are the important things included in the CBA that are going to allow for not just a clean transition into this new era, but keeping everyone really happy, uh, at least until 2031? Yeah, I think when we looked at the term length, um, you know, obviously the league wanted that stability. And so having a term length of eight years really did signal to us that they, you know, were in it for the long haul and then they really wanted to be committed and dedicated to this. But I think what I personally think about the CBA, it's really the entire package. And I know something that's super simple to look at is a salary because it's a number, it's a figure, it's, you know, concrete. But there are so many things that come with um, that salary, like I'm really proud of, you know, the height housing stipend that we were able to get for players. Um, you know, having the per diem, having, you know, Alice, I know that you can agree with me on this one. Like you probably sat on a bus, like with your luggage bag, your <laughs> hockey bag across your lap, because that's the way that we traveled in, in women's hockey. And so having measures in place that make sure that our equipment has their own separate travel van so that it gets to aid from A to B as smooth as possible. And so there are little things in there that really just step up the professionalism that we have yet to see. Yeah, relocation, uh, health insurance, pregnancy benefits. Like, these are things that seem really simple, but we didn't have that before. I mean, when I played in the CWHL, I didn't, I actually lost money playing. So, yeah, money's part of it, but things like that where you are feeling like you can also have the family life and the other aspirations that you'd want um, as a member of this is really important. So the salary construction, I think, is really unique as well. So the range, I believe, starts at 35000 to 80000 but it's something that you've already um, put in like a 3% increase every single year. There's a specific number of individuals that can be on league minimum, same with a league maximum. So if you can lay out a little bit of how that works, and I know it sounds like maybe taking less a little bit um, to allow for everybody to to have a piece of the puzzle and I think that's a really important facet because you've seen other salaries floated around in different leagues that were really 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 high but there were people that weren't getting any piece of the pie so how did you guys work through the salary construction yeah I guess our thought process was basically that um, you know we didn't want one or two players on a team to make 150 200 300 thousand dollars and then everybody else to make 30 35 mm-hmm. um, that's not you know, professionalism. We want everybody to be able to show up to the rink and have hockey be their job. And so for us setting those guardrails and those stipulations, um, we really wanted to prevent that because, again, we want everybody to have hockey as their job. And then you have compensation bonuses, right? So like all-star game, MVP, I believe like top players in philanthropy, like that's also an additional thing that I think will also help with like the legitimacy feeling as well, like something to aspire for. Um, That additional benefit, something that you guys all obviously saw a a huge importance for. 
Yeah, absolutely. We obviously want this league to be as competitive as possible. And although I don't doubt that everybody's going to bring their best efforts, you know, there are obviously incentives for, you know, being a top player in the league, um, you know, being a top human in the league. And so uh, those were those are pretty important to us as well. So I don't know if there's like a trust issue overall uh, in terms of like, you know, who might have control of women's hockey and who is controlling hockey and, and who makes decisions and who's profiting. Uh, but some trust has to be put into these uh, the groups that are coming in and helping uh, fund all this. And Mark Walter, L.A. Daughters chairman, and Billie Jean King Enterprises, of course, playing a massive, massive role in this. So why should and, and are they, uh, you know, uh, I guess institutions or people that should have the trust of everyone? And why is there trust in Mark Walter and Billie Jean King Enterprises? Yeah, I mean, with PWHPA, we've been working with Billie Jean King, Alana Kloss, and, and her whole foundation and group for the last four years. You know, they were they were people that came on from the beginning who have believed in us and our vision um, and have stuck with us throughout this entire process. And so, I mean, Billie Jean King, that's, that's a really easy one uh, when you come from women's sports because, you know, she's a champion uh, for all women out there. And then when you look at the Walter Group, who we began working with, uh, I guess, a year and a half ago, um, they obviously come from a huge sporting background, and that includes women's sports. And so when we were able to speak with that group and understood, understand that our values really did align um, obviously, they're they're also close with Billie Jean King Enterprises, and so this is a group that does again believe in us. Um, they're able to bring you know the financial backing, but they also bring the passion um, and the commitment to our vision and, and to our passions. And so uh, again, they've been nothing but great, and we're excited as we move forward um, on this journey together. Talking to Sarah Nurse, Olympic gold medalist and a PWHPA board member. So when this news broke, um, I was on a plane back from Nashville. I'm not sure if you were still there, or home, or wherever in the world you were, but. Uh, it was certainly, I think, a little bit jarring for the hockey world because it kind of was like when we got news about the CWHL folding, oh my God, this is happening, what's next? And I, I believe a lot of people still have the narrative of one versus the other and that the PWHPA um, was going to come out on top and the PHF players were going to be left with nothing. But uh, I think it's really important to note that since the PHF has this uni- unifying message that they p- presented as well from their leadership committee. So when obviously having this conversation of one league how important are these discussions with the phf players that are now obviously with their league being bought kind of like free agents trying to figure out what's next for them as well yeah i think it's an interesting space to navigate because you know for the longest time for the last four years we've spoken about how we want to have a league that has the best players in the world playing in it and at this point you know there's there's no phf there's no pwhpa like we are moving forward um, as the best women's hockey players in the world. And understanding that this is professional sports, this is professional hockey, not everybody at the end of the day, unfortunately, is going to have a job. And that is very unfortunate, but it's professional sports. And so as we move forward, again, the best players in the world are going to be able to play in this amazing professional league. And so um, it, it is a little confusing with the narrative because there's been so many times people have said one league and we've been pitted against each other and it's been a narrative that's been spun in the media so much in the last few years that 
um, at this point, we're just excited to move forward, um, leave those narratives behind, those false narratives behind, and just move forward together. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been part of the, dis- not part of the disappointment, this has been very, very positive, clearly, but there was a lot of talk online with a lot of people expressing disappointment and people that maybe don't even know exactly what's going on who are putting information out there. Uh, but you said it best, sports is a meritocracy, right? And to get to the point where you are building, you need to have the best players playing against each other, and this is going to allow for that opportunity. So let's talk about that amazing league and the potential for the amazing league. Still a lot to learn, obviously, but I wonder if you have any insights. Are we going to have like a full-on expansion draft here? Is it just free agency? Are there like designated players? Do you know or can you share anything in terms of how this is all going to work? Yeah, I know in the next, you know, month or two, we're going to be able to share all of the details on how the league is going to function. The league is going share to work. Share it now, Sarah. Come on. <laughs> I wish I, wish I could. <laughs> but it's so funny, like, being able to actually share something about, like, the CBA and everything mm-hmm. because for so many months it's been under wraps. And so um, I think the announcement last week, um, it, it was a huge announcement and not something that we had actually expected. And so and in that time frame and, Again, as we move forward in the next month or two, there are going to be so many more details that are going to be allowed to come out um, as time allows. So we do know, I think, uh, three teams Canada, three teams United States. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's like, yes, I think that's true. About to say that, yes. Okay. Okay. Because okay. I'm also in the same boat where I kind of know some things, but I, I don't know. I don't want to put Sarah on the spot. I'm the She's, only one who doesn't know anything yeah, right now. Justin, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's, how about this? What's next for you till January? Because obviously there's going to be, you know, you have opportunity to be training. You have opportunity to be staying. And I know you're in the GTA area um, and doing your training um, and then also helping lead this charge. Uh, what's your process for getting ready for something that is still, you know, with some kinks to work out. Yeah, I mean, obviously still training because I want to be in my top form. I want to be able to make a team at the end of the day as well. And so uh, that's definitely number one priority. But at the end of the day, this whole process has been so interesting and some great experience for myself and the other members um, of the bargaining committee who have been through this entire thing. And so being able to do that, um, now that we've hashed out the the details of the CBA, we kind of get to do the fun stuff um, regarding the league. And so uh, we're very excited about that. We're very excited to share with, you know, our players, but also everybody how do you think this is going to affect what we're most accustomed to uh when it comes to women's hockey which is the rivalry between the united states and canada on the international stage i mean you guys are all going to be playing together and against each other i guess more often in much high higher profile uh not that not higher profile in canada versus the united states but high profile games just happening at the club level as well do you think that's going to have any meaningful impact on how Canada and the United States looks when it hits the international stage again? I definitely think that that rivalry is still going to be there. Um, I think that's something that is absolutely never going to go away, but I just think that a new professional hockey league gives fans the opportunities to see us as players way more often. You know, we have a rivalry series. We play seven games a year, and then we go to the World Championship. Like, that's not a lot of opportunity to, you know, build relationships with players and actually, you know, have that fan base. And so um, to have a professional league, I think, is going to be really important for that. We saw we had a little taste of it last year with PWHPA. You know, um, I got to play with Amanda Kessel and Kendall Coyne-Schofield. And so to be able to play with them uh, maybe is a little strange for fans, but it's very exciting for us. And I think for the sport to continue to move forward, um, something that's very necessary. 
were chatting with Sarah Nurse, Olympic gold medalist, a PWPA board member, and I also saw you got um, a lot of great opportunity while we were in Nashville to do some stuff with the NHL, um, obviously present an award, which was really cool as well. So tell us about your time in Nashville and the important stuff you guys were doing off the ice as well. Yeah, Nashville was a great time. Uh, your outfit was fantastic, Ayla. <laughs> Yours was but... as well. I got to see Sarah Nurse on the red <laughs> car. It was my most exciting moment. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, we got to do NHL awards, which was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, Connor McDavid cleaned up. But the actual reason that I was in Nashville was for the NHL Player uh, Inclusion Coalition. And so um, it's a new coalition that was formed actually a few years ago, but we launched it um, last weekend and basically you know we want to make the game as diverse and inclusive as possible and bringing the right people to the table and so we're able to do um uh, little skates with uh kids in nashville we were able to meet some families do a panel uh we had meetings together which was great to be able to brainstorm and uh think about our path moving forward as a group and so that's the reason i was actually in nashville uh, but obviously draft was happening so getting to see those players interacting with you know like a bedard and fantilli was uh, pretty cool because they obviously have very bright futures and so uh it was a lot of fun yeah, and you looked great, and uh, it was great to see that you guys were doing some good as well and having fun. So <laughs> uh, the, the yeah. trifecta. Uh, Sarah, I appreciate you coming on this morning. Um, congrats again on all the hard work. I know I know what you guys have been doing behind the scenes for the last couple of years. Great to see it come to fruition, and we're looking forward to January when Puck drops, and we'll chat many times before then, I'm sure. Exactly. Chat soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sarah. That's Sarah Nurse, uh, Canadian Women's Hockey Olympic gold medalist, a PWHPA board member, and has been uh, part of the team working to make that new CBA, which has been going on behind the scenes. Lots of really important things uh, covered in it. We'll get more clarity of that coming soon, as she mentioned. There's a lot of things we don't know about yet, like where the teams are located. Mm-hmm. You may know, and you're just not telling us. Even if I might know. I didn't. I don't know. What? Uh, there's, so... there's three in Canada, three in the United States. That's all I can tell you. Yes. And uh, I believe that is public knowledge at this point. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by the idea of an expansion. The draft, draft will be the most electric thing since Joey Chestnut's intro yesterday. And there's there's certain players like Marie Philippe Poulin. If there's a Montreal team, has to play for Montreal, right? So, is she going to be like a, a captain? Like uh, again, so I'm not asking say, you to no, answer no, no, any questions. Like, logically, let's talk about this yes. without and, and no insider information. Yes. We're just talking. A draft, a full authentic draft where you just go first overall, second overall would be absolutely incredible. But there are players that have built their life and their home in specific cities, right. including like Poulin. I don't know. Nally Spooner's had a baby. She lives in this area. Like, I think it would be quite difficult to draft Poulin to, I'm just going to throw a city out there, let's say Boston, not yeah. saying that that's a city. Like there is, there is something like the players are going to be wanting to make this as professional as possible and as like legitimate as possible. But there are things you have to consider. But at right? the same time, legitimacy is okay. Competitive balance. And yes. if there's a team, okay, so they all, a lot of them train, play, live mm-hmm. in Calgary. I don't know if Calgary is going Calgary, to have it. There's Calgary, there's Montreal, but Toronto. Let's, let's, like, say those Cal- are the let's say they all had houses in Calgary because yeah. they play there at the Olympic whatever mm-hmm. training center. It wouldn't be fair if they all just stayed there yeah. and Calgary had a powerhouse. It's going to be, and I know Tara was alluding at it, there's going to be a lot of big questions that they have already probably answered and how this draft is going to work and if there's like a legacy pick that you already have, if there's like a pre-signings, whatever the the way it is, there will 
be also people that will have to probably relocate. And that's kind of the beauty of this league, though, right? If you're going to go as authentic as possible, you can get traded. You might get professional sports. You might have to get traded. You might trade picks to get specific people. It will be really fun. And that should be obviously way before January, but we'll get more information on that. So if there is an expansion pool, can we submit your name just Buddy. to see what happens? I said I was playing senior A this Can we just throw it in there and fall? see what happens? I should have asked Sarah, like, hey, what's the scoop on my scouting report? Oh, my God, I forgot to tell you this. Oh, my God, I was off. Justin, this is huge. This is like a backtrack two tell weeks me. ago. Tell me. So my bestie, Laura Stacy, obviously had her, um, her charity road hockey tournament. She does it every single year. Right. This was yep. two Saturdays ago. Um, it's really great. She raised twenty eight thousand dollars for Kids Sport Ontario, which is incredible. Like, no, she'll be in the league. She'll be, yeah, she'll be in the league. Um, anyway, she does this every year. It's a big sticks in for charity road hockey tournament. They had a pros versus pro game for the very first time. Okay. Pros versus pros or pros versus Joes? Pros versus pros. So okay. every single team had a team captain. And I mean, name someone on the Olympic team, that was a team captain. Okay. I was co-captains with Sarah Nurse. And I think they did that because I wasn't big enough name to be my own captain. Sure. It's true. So everybody, there was about well, 16 teams. So 16 pros. Some of them had two pros. Nonetheless, all of us played in this charity tournament road hockey thing during the lunch break and all the kids were watching and the families and the parents. So it was pretty like competitive. I got a hat trick, Justin. <laughs> I scored three goals and a shootout goal. Wait, are there kids playing or is it? No, is it was it, the pros versus the pros. the pros. All the Olympians. I was the only person out there that had not been to the Olympics or won a medal at the Olympics. Were you the one trying the hardest? No, I swear to you. I was just, it was the peak performance of my athletic career. I was stunned. There's photos of me like shocked that I'm scoring. I scored three <laughs> goals, Justin. Okay. And I went through the line celebrating. I was so like the happiest I've ever been. Really? It was so special. And then we lost in a shootout to Laura Stacy, but I scored a shootout winner. And then Laura won. It was on, it was perfectly scripted. Okay. But honestly, I was like, can I have the ball? Like, can I have this framed? It was the highlight of my athletic career. And I should have brought it up with, with Sarah because afterwards, I honestly, everyone was like, Cong- like that was really good. Like, congratulations. People were <laughs> so, so, got it. so happy for me. And I said, when I got my post-game interview, I said, I might unretire. Wait, you did a post-game interview? Buddy, it was like so real. There's news crews there. Okay, so when is when is this draft? I don't know, soon, but I better, I, if my road hockey career, if I can be half as good as that, mm. honestly, I wish I had video to show you. You need the P... B W H L. I sign me up for ball. it. No, it you was, need the B to be. I was to honestly so impressed. It was really special. I'm t- like I'm kind of like jealous because I feel like you for the meantime. I mean, it can't last forever, but you have the fallback plan. If you just do six months hard hockey training, <laughs> I think you might be able to play in this league. Maybe no. like an alternate. The whole at least. point is it's the best of the best. Okay, I'm not making this league. But if I, there's a professional ball hockey league, we should, submit, we should league. submit your name. Just like if there's like a clerical error, and all of a sudden you get drafted, it would be pretty, it would be good for content. <laughs> I was the good MVP of the pros versus pros charity road hockey game, so there's something for me. There you go. Or you could go off on that note if you wanted to. Like that's the. I end. think that's actually I should hang them up. There you go. Anyway, it was super fun. Now your phone's going off, Justin. You're just a just DJ today. Eh? You could have let it go. No, I had to. Uh, Dan Schulman after the break. Uh, let's talk about the shocking where were you news when Alec Manoa was announced the starter on Friday night in Detroit. And we're wrapping up the show with Swag Kelly. Jag Kelly, Toronto Argonauts quarterback and Grey Cup champ will send us off on our Wednesday. Plus a baby wake and rake. So send those picks in 590. 590, that's next.